Oh, hi. Welcome to Homo Sapiens, the podcast for all your LGBTQ plus neighborhood needs. My name is Chris Sweeney. My name is William Young. No, we're joking. It's vice versa. Coming up on this week's episode, we are chatting to none other than Marika Hackman. I love her music. I've had both her albums on repeat these past few weeks. has a second record out called I'm Not Your Man. And do you know what she is? Go on. She's a wise head on young shoulders. She is a wise head on young shoulders. So what she's got that I think is fascinating to hear about is a young gay female angle on what it is to be an artist today, what it is to be a young gay female today. Particularly with the last record I've just made, the response, like 15-year-olds and stuff, and coming up and being like, you helped me realise who I am. And I've realised how important it was I made that album. of a guiding light for how to embrace your sexuality and how to be brave. She's a brave person. She's just followed being herself. I didn't want anyone to ever think of me that I was using my sexuality to make a thing to kind of get in with a certain crowd. Everything I write is just because it's happened to me or like it's all deeply personal. Our conversation with Marika Hackman is coming up. Stay tuned people. Are they even tuned? Stay podcasted. The first time I came across Marika Hackman was a photo at a friend's wedding, but I couldn't, I felt bad I couldn't make the wedding because mm. I had an anxiety attack. Flew all the way out to Portugal, didn't leave the room, flew all the way home again. The fact that you had the panic attack not on Ryanair is the thing that amazed me. I know, me that's most. really weird. Yeah, because that no, is... it was, it was being around people, it was very weird. Anyway, I saw a picture of this young woman in a trouser suit. An amazing trouser And it looked like, it was sort of like maybe pistachio. It was pistachio. Was it pistachio? She was either giving a piggyback or having on someone's back being given a piggyback. And I just thought, who is this woman? Mm. I'm intrigued by her. She's just got this aura about her. She just feels like a superstar talent. William. Yes. I've got a question for you. Uh, It is cashmere, but it's very old. (laughs) Can we have a conversation about your hairstyle? I really like it. Do you? Yeah, because you've got a a shaved inside parting for... For Cabaret, thank you. Grazie mille. Um, For Cabaret the Musical... Tickets are available from all good news agents. Um, How's it going? It's going great. And you sort of get to ad lib every night, right? Yes. So I told someone to shut up um, because they were talking. In the audience? Yeah. Um, And sometimes people take pictures. There's been a furore. Is that the word? Or furore? I never know. No. There's been a furore. Photographers snuck in and took pictures of Louise Redknapp, who's my co-star. It's very interesting how I think famous women sell more papers than famous men. Right. If they're scantily clad, then the men will want to see it, I guess. Mm. They're like, oh, Louise. And women then want to see it as well and either be nasty or Mm. nice. You know what I mean? Be like, oh, I'd love to look like that. Or I don't want to look like that. You know, any of that that Mm. thing. I think it's like this weird kind of chauvinism that still exists. There's so many photographers outside. So many photographers. Really? Yeah. 
And I have been desperate to get in the papers, let me tell you. <laughs> I've been wearing my Homo sapiens t-shirt. Oh, well done. To promote not just the podcast, but the cause. Um, you know that's why I like well, this podcast, you know they the split up quite a while ago. Homo sapiens? The cause. Oh, ah! <laughs> Stop it. Um, I am full of dad jokes today. Yeah, you are, aren't you? Oh, oh. oh there's a is. delivery. I should have got lots to say about deliveries this week. Really? Yeah. I think this could be DPD, which I have a little bit... Beef Last week we had Will taking delivery of a slow cooker. Someone called Bill is here. Will says he's forgotten he's coming. Here's Bill. Bill has arrived from Humphrey and Crockett. I'll give them a plug. Um, because I went to the Newbury show, the big like country fair, and... Uh, I bought two uh, <laughs> solid fuel fires and Bill has arrived to check out the fireplaces. Friend, what have you been up to this week? I've been looking after my sister's kids because my sister is on a well-deserved holiday in Spain. So she said, look, can you just come down for the day? And it was my day off from life. The f- <laughs> from the theatre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much to discuss oh my god can i just say that i mean it is four of them mm. you stop being a person what are you you're a cash machine mm. you're a taxi driver mm-hmm. you're a mobile clothes hanger yeah because they take their coats off and just shove them on they, they don't even look at you you know <laughs> they just shove them on it's like that's the kind of things i should be doing you know bin i'm a mobile bin they, they finish the drink just pass it to wow. you cook yeah cleaner peacekeeper yeah i get called butt face by my nephew oh but the cutest thing is the youngest boy had a tantrum and this was his tantrum so rather than like throw a chair down you know like the back of a chair like tip it down onto the floor Mm. he just very gently um rested it down onto the floor and then rested another chair down so it looked like someone's had a tantrum but actually, he's just gently placed them onto the thing. That's sweet. It was so sweet. In my head, I was like, that's the worst tantrum. Um, <laughs> and it was just adorable. Oh. I love them. And I felt very like, yes, I felt like a good parent. I've yeah. come to watch Sunday football. I played basketball with my nephew. Did it give you... I don't want kids. But four, looking after four. I know, maybe it's the four thing. And also, they're your niece and nephews, but they're not yours. And lots of parents say to me... You don't like other people's children, you just like your own. They're lying. Really? I just think they're lying. Really? I mean, the worst thing is, imagine if if suddenly I'm trapped and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't like my kids mm-hmm. and I'm trapped now for the next 20 years. In mm-hmm. fact, no, for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't want to do this. Mm. I just don't want to do this. You sell them. <laughs> the other thing was, I sort of felt like, actually, throwing it out to the listeners, it's really important mm-hmm. to keep hold of one's identity. I could very easily easily lose my identity with like where are those moments when i'm not sashaying across yeah them? gone are the days when i just threw on some makeup and off i went into the world you know like when are those moments when i can still be not just a parent because literally like and i will finish soon but literally like finish supper and then it's getting the school bags ready yeah sorting out all their everything clean washing making them while making them brush their teeth while trying to stop the eight-year-old from trying to fit a toothbrush into the six-year-old's ear and convincing them that it is now time to take away the ipad and then cleaning up the house getting breakfast ready Mm. i got back to london at 3 a.m 
Yeah, I saw that. Anyway, it was still delightful and I do love them. And actually, interestingly, I do feel a bit like I want to check how they're doing because it's like, oh, oh, I had to give them back up to my sister's friend who's basically doing them. They'll be like, hey, sorry, who's this? Well, where's Buttface gone? So at the football match, you texted me. It was very funny saying people are kicking balls in my direction and it's terrifying the life out of me because it means you've got to kick them back, which is always my worst nightmare. And literally, like, they were practising penalties before the match and we were sitting on a bench behind the goal oh, because God. my my niece's boyfriend is the goalie and I literally was like please don't miss please don't miss please don't miss and they kept on missing <laughs> oh mate can you pass the ball oh, like, oh, I don't oh. want to because then I get nervous and I used yes. to play football fairly well yeah and so I kind of think I can at least kick it back mm. suddenly it goes out the window and I sort of throw it like behind me yeah yeah well that that was me at my peak I was throwing it behind me it's horrible and I actually we took the dog for a walk through Regent's Park. It's it's like running the gauntlet. I felt like, um, what's she called on Gladiator when they had to... <laughs> Jet! Oh no, Luca Johnson. <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like Jet from Gladiator having to run the gauntlet. Do you remember Gladiators? Yeah. And Erika Johnson. Erika Johnson. Who went out with? Oh, Hunter. Gladiators was absolutely mental. And wasn't there, wasn't there a guy called Shadow? He was the one that he he was the one that could polax people, and he was massive and with this you know, incredible yeah. body. And his eyes behind the helmet were like, "I'm going to rip your jugular out." Gladiators ready. ready. He was great. And then what were they called? Contestants ready. ready. And you know what? I'm actually going to throw out a name of a contestant that I remember who won. I'm sure she, I might be making this up. I'm sure she was called Eunice Barber. Eunice Barber. Google. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Eunice Huffett. Mm. She became the champion. Yes. Oh, Eunice, Eunice Huffett, was it? Not Eunice Barber. Barber, She went on and won and became champion in 1995. And she was a stunt person in Titanic. This is quite the rabbit hole we're down here. This is incredible. She was in Harry Harry Potter. She's in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them Too. Florence Foster Jenkins. Not many stunts in Florence (laughs) Foster Jenkins. Eunice, I mean, when you you filled in that form for Gladiators, did you think you'd be hobnobbing with Daniel Radcliffe and Maggie Smith doing a double suplex on Maggie Smith in Harry Potter? (laughs) That was my (laughs) favourite Yeah. Oh, that hurts. Oh, the pride dear. of Jean Brody. <laughs> Speaking of coincidences, last week we had a message from someone called Rosie Lovell and we said, oh, I think I recognise that name. It was an amazing name, wasn't it? And you said, off the top of your head, yeah. oh, could be a chef. She has emailed in and said, I am a chef. Isn't that a weird, weird coincidence? Well, I am quite shamanic. You know, I think like... Yeah. <laughs> That's my shaman noise. I'm not sure it needs work. Well, sort of feathers, feathers, <coughs> rattle, 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 rattle. Well, Rosie Lovell, who would have thought it? Bill's been quiet. <laughs> yeah, he's actually here for the podcast. Why is Bill walking out the front door with a telly? <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you later. Can't have a fire with a Mac computer. <laughs> with a Mac computer, three TVs, four radios. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Twitter! Twitter alerts! That's a battle cry if ever I, I heard one. You got told off for what? Yeah, I got told off by my friend because I was leaving the theatre and I'm, I had to get home 
to feed to let the dogs out feed yeah. the dogs so i was like no sorry just one because people want we'll have more than one photo design and i was like no it's only one no gotta go gotta let the dogs out what no it, outside the theater you outside have to have theater. photos of fans and yeah and and my friend was like you can't shout at people <laughs> i said well, i'm not shouting i'm just like you know, and he was like, no, no, you are slightly shouting. I was like, oh, God, oh. okay. And yeah, I sent him a text saying, you're a good friend to mm. say that. Mm. Friends don't often tell you when correct you. No. They don't, do they? And I was like, thank you so much. We've been asking the Twitter sphere. Mm. If you were invisible for the day, where would you go? Where would you head to, William? Oh, Buckingham Palace. Yes. Oh, no, Balmoral. Would you? Yeah, because no one gets into Balmoral. I want Balmoral. And just like in the sitting room, no one's bedrooms or any of that. Just have a shifty. But I'd want to talk to them. Well, you could be a poltergeist. (laughs) Just push some things over. Philip, the the jar of marmalade. Just (laughs) (laughs) someone's eating. (laughs) (laughs) Philip, (laughs) don't make me go. We've had such a funny smorgasbord of responses to this question. Natalie O says that she would go to the Oval Office and give him a scare more than any X-Men could. I quite like that. I've never seen an X-Men film. Is Do they go to the Oval Office and scare someone? never seen X-Men. No. What have I been doing? I don't know. I like watching people having feelings. I like Bridges in Madison County. Don't you dare tell me that the man with the extendable tongue does not have feelings in (laughs) X-Men. Oh, Joanna Snellen says I go and watch my son at school. He's just started in reception. I worry about him all day. That's adorable. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember The Secret Life of Three Year Olds, that show they did? Oh, my God, it was amazing. Oh, my God. For many reasons, it was clever, but it was exactly the same as adult life. And I thought what yeah. was quite interesting is that how people try and get other people to be on side and get them to do things that they want to, and how. Boys were able to use violence to interact and get their own way, whereas girls didn't feel that they were able to use it. So they had to curry favour with people and try and get them through gossip and persuasion. That's how they got their own way. And I thought that was really interesting as to whether that's something that's learned or if it's instinctive. Helen Reed says she'd go backstage at a theatre just before curtain up to get a feel of all the anticipation and excitement. Well, how interesting, because I do absolutely love... What goes on on the side of stage and behind the stage at theatres? Because at Cabaret, honestly, there's the show that's going on to the audience and then there's a whole other show that's going on behind the scenes. In the Royal Ballet in London, you can get stage manager seats or something where you can sit side of stage. Oh, wow. And you watch the ballet from the wings. Amazing. And a friend of mine always says that the sort of ambience and and what goes on in the wings of a theatre is super duper special and Mm. I couldn't really even put it in words but it is like this sort of arrested time Mm. where literally you'll get like one of the dancers will just be chatting going Mm. yeah 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 anyway yeah so I went to prep couldn't get the right hang on a sec and they'll run on do this amazing dance Mm. and then like exhausted come off and go yeah just didn't have any avocado Mm. you know can I tell you why I think that is because it's the same reason why smoking areas are brilliant places for conversation. You always get in a brilliant chat in a smoking area. And it's because you are guaranteed that you've got to leave. You, there's no anxiety about how this is going to end because you can just walk off. Because you know you've got to walk on stage in three seconds. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's why smoking areas are great because you finish a cigarette and you go, okay, bye. So you become... Oh yes, you're not trapped to someone. Yeah. You? So you don't start a conversation with trepidation because sometimes you start a conversation because you know it's a topic that you can get out of in five minutes. Shit! Mm. 
We have more of your tweets, comments coming up. And now it's time for our fascinating conversation with the pop star Marika Hackman. I'm trembling. I'm you, is it your blood sugar? No, it's my excitement about being able to share this conversation with Marika Hackman. Well, she came to my house. Charming of her to bring me a present. Everyone loves a scented candle. No one wants she a donkey. Bring though. me a present. But that's just one strike against her because otherwise, listeners, you're in for a treat. She is charming, erudite, very funny. I'm slightly in love with her. This is our conversation with Marika Hackman. And if I may, I'll set the scene. Will begins the interview with uh, a stroke of genius in some respects, a bum stretch. <laughs> um, I need to just stretch out my thing. What's happening to your feet? I just need to stretch out my bum. Why? Because it gets, it gets painful. Oh, I have to take a picture of this. Do you feel like a gay artist? Yes. And I think, particularly with the last record I've just made, the, the, I think it's just, yeah, the response from people coming up to me in places like Salt Lake City. Mm. Like these kids, like these like 15-year-olds and stuff, and coming up and being like, you helped me realise who I am. You, like... And st- saying stuff like that, and I've, I've realised, like, how important... It was, I made that album, for me as well, to kind of carry on. It was, it's been amazing. Hmm. Like, That's amazing. Yeah. Were you nervous about doing that in your lyrics? Yeah, I mean, I was, I certainly was um, worried about kind of being defined by that, like, early on in my career. And I think that's why my lyrics are much more kind of shrouded in metaphor. But I was never pretending to be anything that I wasn't either. Mm. By the time I was writing this record, I'd already released, like, about 30 songs. So... I, you know, music was there, I'm here, like, hello. So I just think I kind of relaxed back into it and I kind of really opened up, I felt a lot more confident. Um, but I did, I got, like, when I wrote Boyfriend, like, these lyrics kind of came out and then I was like, okay, this is this is what's happening now. Like, mm. I'm going to be this this guy, this bold. Mm. And um, I was like, okay, well, like, yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Am I ready for this? And then I was just like, fuck it. It's funny. It's a really funny song. Like, I like it. Let's yeah. put it out. Mm. And I'm so fucking glad I did. You're a very authentic person, so it's coming from an authentic place, yeah. not a sensational yeah. place. Yeah, because mm. no, I didn't want anyone also to ever think of me that I was using my sexuality mm. to, to make a thing, to kind of get in with a certain crowd. And it, like that's... It's, I, everything I write is just because it's mm. something that's... I'm like obviously very self-obsessed, but it's just stuff that's like happened to me or like mm. how I'm feeling about something. And it's all deeply personal. But do you think that almost... So you'd started writing music and you're like, I don't want my music to be about my sexuality and therefore... So it, being a gay person who makes films, right? So music video director, you obviously no one cares if you're gay when you're directing a music video because you're making a song, a video for the artist. But when I was then asked to go into like meetings at like Film 4 or whatever, like, so what do you want to make? Like, you're gay. Like, what's the gay film? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, it, obviously no one was that blunt or rude, but as in they're there to talk to you about that kind of stuff because you represent that section of society. And I was like... It didn't make me angry or anything. I just thought, I'm not really that interested in doing that because I don't really feel like I'm, I'm not, I don't want to become necessarily a gay filmmaker. But then I sort of had to go through this whole thing and then realised that actually I was a gay voice and yeah. therefore the first thing I would do would be gay and that was okay. Yeah. And I wondered if that chimed with you that yeah, you were totally. like, actually I am gay so I'm just going to write it yeah 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 no that's I think that's completely exactly how I feel yeah and I mean I think as well when I look back I mean I started 
having music like as my career I suppose when I was like 19 mm. and that's when I came out so like of course at that point in my life I wasn't writing songs that mm, were yeah, going right. to be like explicitly kind yeah. of talking about me being gay mm. so yeah I just think that kind of confidence and that growth like and also feeling like I can do it in the right way mm-hmm. you know by just letting it kind of happen mm. Rather than overthinking it, because I'm I'm kind of worried, or you know, mm. like worried about if my grandma sees it or something. Thinking about your lyrics, I wanted to ask you a question that we ask ourselves each other a lot: is like, yeah. do you feel any sense of community among gay women? Yeah, I think. I mean, also just a very very high percentage of female musicians are gay. Mm. It feels like everyone everyone I meet, I do feel like there's a kind of sense of community. But I, I feel like it's not a, an exclusive thing, you know. Mm. It's just, maybe it's just women in, in music. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a specific to gay thing. But mm. um, I have, yeah, like loads of, loads and loads of female friends who are musicians and we all like play together and I like go to shows together and it's just, I feel like everyone has each other's backs. Like everyone's trying to help each other out, um, which is really nice. And I, I don't actually, I've never really thought about that that much. But yeah, it does feel like that. How did you come to music? Take us from <laughs> our journey. Just the yeah. um, music for you. <laughs> well, you were in a band, no? <laughs> yes. So as a child, I was like learning the piano, like from like when I was like four. So I was kind of quite like a musical family, or certainly a, a family that loves music. I was always writing on, on any instrument that I had. Um, I just it felt like. A, natural thing before I probably even realised that it was a whole like writing a song kind of thing you know oh wow I did the, the drums and the bass and the recorder <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> yeah grade five grade five no <laughs> Don't tell took me it way moved. too far did you move to the piccolo <laughs> no oh, it was when they started trying to make me play the bigger ones that were like it's all different and oh I, I like, like oh, those bass. they sound a lot nicer were you ever tempted by the bassoon no oboe is what I wanted but apparently I didn't oh. have the right mouth what that's bullshit have a certain mouth for, mm. the, for the reed don't for the you reed, take yeah. that Okay. I know, maybe I should learn it now. <laughs> I get a bit cross about oboes, etc. Because I think et that, I think it's really nice at school if you learn an instrument. Like the guitar and the piano are such sociable instruments and you put in so much work. It's really good that the guitar and piano seem to be able to live on after school. Whereas I learned the cornet, yeah? I wanted to... <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to learn the trumpet, but they didn't have any. So they were like, do you want a cornet? And it stank. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Stink. I'm laughing. Cornet is like a small a... silver trumpet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. But it's pointless. I spent all that time yeah. learning. And then I leave. When am I going to play a cornet? Yeah, you can't like whip it out at a party. And no, and you don't. Yeah, and that's. Sing along to it. Having music is brilliant. And I just feel like everyone has to leave it at 18 because of. Yeah. I'd love to hear you play the cornet. Yeah, so. Gordon. <gasps> Can that be the theme? Can it be the theme? Please play us out with the cornet one, uh, on one episode. Maybe yeah, okay. Series. Tell me, so did you go into a band? So, well, I was in lots of bands. I was at quite, it was quite like a musical school. Yeah. And, you know, when you're 14, everyone wants to be in a band, right? Everyone's like, yeah. So I was playing drums at this point. I was in like four or five different bands and we just used to play covers so that was actually really good because I started playing like in front of people, which is obviously like terrifying when you do it for the first time. And if you're playing the drums and you fuck up, like mm. everyone knows. Mm. And I had it because I was in like concert band as well. This is where, you know, you need your cornets and stuff. And I <laughs> had to do the big like crashy cymbals. Terrifying. And um, it was like the last 
like beat of the song and the conductor I had like 145 bars of rest that I had to count so the conductor was like I'll just look at you <laughs> and then smash them and I was like okay great so they're, they're like building up building up building up building up and the band just go like jump like play their last note he looks at me and then I just crash the cymbals like a beat later after everyone stopped <laughs> and all the air gets caught as well so in that moment the air got, got caught because I didn't hit them properly and blew all of my music all over the floor <laughs> And I was just like, fucking great, great. How old were you then? That was probably when I was like 16. <laughs> just like moodily standing at the back, playing percussion. But you went to B-Dells, right? Yes, yeah. I have spoken to many people who've been to B-Dells. It has such um, mythology attached to it. I'd say it's like a stigma. Yes. Because um, it's certainly mm. been used kind of against me in my career. Mm. I think it's just this idea that I'm like a stuck-up little cow that's had everything handed to me on a plate mm. really? and, uh, like pure nepotism has got me where I am like certainly articles just pick up on it people write about it they focus in on it and then the comments underneath which I never read but I was at once alerted to <laughs> um, an observer piece that had just gone in really hard and I had another interview and they were like oh so did those comments underneath that article upset you and I was like huh oh. and I had a look and yeah it's just people just being like really nasty and they have no idea like what my life was like and and also the fact that I know I've been incredibly lucky mm. and, and I've I've kind of I'm really aware of that and I was never just like waltzing through life just being like ha 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 like yeah. it's like this for everyone like yeah. that's not the kind of person I am so just yeah it really fucks me off mm. when you read those comments has that been hard to shake did they kind of lodge into you no I mean I'm I'm very uh I think I know myself very well as a person yeah. and I'm quite like grounded braggy um, <laughs> no, so. no it's really important it's but yeah and I think the thing that just frustrates me is like just that people might be thinking that it's been a certain way and, and the idea that it's, it's always talked about mm. you know when I sit mm. down and have an interview with a big newspaper because I've just made a record they always want to talk about that and then I'm like mm. but I just made this thing uh, and then that's like what this the whole this was all about was talking about my record mm. but you know can I say something yeah. I've just put my hand up hmm. um, uh, young at the back thank you <laughs> um, in the sort of pop I use pop in the broad 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 yeah. term in the music business I always found that really difficult mm. because it just I would get so frustrated that I'd make a record you know, for like yeah. two years, be very proud of it. And the artistry would literally just be glossed over. Yeah. And they would just focus on like, they'd be like, so what's it like to be gay? Because they just, it's a story. They're not interviewing anyone because they like actually want to help promote a record and understand about it. So often it's just because they want to like have a good story for their editor. Yeah. And people are going to be like, what's like, what's the angle? Mm. There's always a fucking angle. It has to be an angle. Yeah. I used to find that hard as someone that worked really hard. With a lot of therapy. To know myself. Yeah. It would still test me. Yeah. Because if someone brings up, you know, if I've got a spot on my nose and someone mentioned it, you know, 40 times, mm. in the end I kind of would become a bit self-conscious yeah. of it, even though I'm quite mm. comfortable with the fact I've got spots on my nose. It tested me. Yeah. It would test me. Yeah. See, I would imagine with where you're kind of placed in the music industry that you probably get quite a few publications that would want to know about your music and yeah it's yeah it's mainly always just kind of like the broadsheets that i'm yeah. most surprised by yeah i kind of think Me too. like come on guys no, it's just, and what, yeah. what do they say like 
uh, ex Beedales. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Best mates with Cara Delevingne and all that stuff. And it's like, it's just, this is all so like, far removed. Oh, ex model, which is just yeah. absolute bullshit. I've never been a model in my life. <laughs> so it was one of those music things. Because, you know, they do like loads of um, work with loads of artists. When you mm. sing or you. Was it and photos? I said, I was, it was a video of me playing a song I'd written. Mm. And there were three other bands that did it as well. Mm. For some reason. <laughs> I'm an ex-model and no one else who's ever done like a Burberry music thing is. It's just so, so bizarre. I, I think that's quite chauvinist, maybe. Yeah, I think... Or I mean, some kind of patriarchal thing in there. Because it does almost feel like, all model turned musician. Yeah. It, it mm. kind of puts a negative on it straight away because it's like, I wasn't really ever like a proper musician. I was just a model and I'm just having a little go, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. That was also six years ago, like right at the start of my career. And mm. then... um just the other day like on Six Music Huey Morgan was playing my song it's mm. called Time's Been Reckless mm. and he says he says my name wrong I think he says like Marika or Marika or something and then um, he says he's an ex-model um, and this song is called Time's Been Reckless and I suppose it is for people who are models <laughs> like sorry what? that's mental that's so still there's a happening. whole story which is bollocks Bullshit, yeah that someone's picked up yeah that's it's just very lazy journalism. It, show the kind of like bizarreness. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you laugh at those kind of things? Mm-hmm. Is that is it? Yeah. yeah, I find it funny. I mean, it's still a little bit frustrating, but I, th- I think I'm far enough. Sorry, I'm shedding hair like all over your flat. It's either um, you or the dogs, and the dogs aren't here, so <laughs> here you can have mine. Um, I don't know where they are. Actually. Um, <laughs> can I just take a, a sharp right turn here? I wanted to ask you about objectification. We talked about this the other week. So I was saying, if you're a gay man, right, it's really interesting that an older gay man was talking to me at a party and I had met this person when I was like 16 and he was, and I'm now 35, 31. And he was like, oh God, yeah, you know, you were really hot when you were 16. He was going on and on at me about it. Lovely compliment, whatever. But also I was like, I found it really annoying because I think that men have a habit of doing this thing where they feel that they can switch a conversation to sexual and they decide do you know what I mean and it's like no I don't want to be viewed sexually and why have you made this like an assumption on my behalf that I want that to turn into a sexual discussion I imagine that is a different version that happens for women as well yeah I mean I think in a way for women it's such a kind of like a little like low hum in the background Mm. that you almost you start to forget that it's there Mm. but even stuff I mean last night I was walking home and some guy just like saying stuff to me on the street and then I walked back again with my kebab and um, (laughs) this guy just reached out and stroked my hair the back of my head and I turned around and said fuck off yeah I was quite drunk by this point and quite aggressive. I just also had a really, I'll tell you about it in a second, a really irritating discussion with a, a fan, in inverted commas, in the pub. So yeah, I just like turned around, swore at this guy. I was just like, I, I think I was just like, how fucking dare you? Like, what, what do you think you're doing? And mm. I just like walked home. And it's like, it? he was just kind of like, ooh, and he's like with all his mates, like turned around. I just walked as fast as I could back. Were you scared? No, because I think... holding Yes. <laughs> and it was quite spicy and I'm, yeah. and I'm not afraid to use it <laughs> I think I was just wanted to eat I, I, I genuinely think I was starving you were just hungry pissed and I was yeah and yeah I was hungry and I just like stomped home but no I'll tell you about also this is I mean this isn't like objectification but it's a it was just a classic case of mansplaining mm. it was in the pub last night and this guy comes up and it's always men who open with a line like this as well where they say like I like hey like I really like her music um, I didn't actually like 
know about you uh but like my girlfriend introduced me and like i've been to a couple of shows so it's like right so you're, you're trying to do a power play already like you don't really give a shit but you're coming up to talk to me so <laughs> no like i'm i'm the one here that's like mm. got technically holding the power but you're really trying to undermine that mm. and then he was like oh my god he was his girlfriend actually walked off because she was so embarrassed he then started saying he'd seen two shows he thought one of them was better than the other one <laughs> which is always a lovely thing to hear. And then he said, I noticed that like you all use like Fender guitars and Fender amps. Um, like you should really change that up. You know, like you should use different amps because you're not, you're not getting different tones out of your instruments. And he was going on and on about oh God, it. And my bassist Jelly was, she was standing next to me and she was just like, like, fuck I know what's about to happen and so I just turned around and I, I, I was like in that in, if I'd been sober I probably would have been being very polite and kind of just like oh like thanks yeah blah, blah, blah. like walked off but I was getting quite riled up and I just I was just like oh and, and what is it that you do and he was like I'm a primary school teacher and I went ah oh. I was like well I've been doing this for six years um, the sounds I have on stage are exactly what I want I know what I'm using um, like I have a very good relationship with Fender like I'm trying to get by in this and I don't need people who have no idea what they're talking about telling me how to, how to do my stage setup mm. that is all in like this is what I want if I want something different mm. I'll change it and then we ended on fine like we shook hands and stuff it was fine but now it's just annoying because if I ever do want to have like a Vox or an Orange or something a different amp he's going to be in the fucking crowd like oh yeah that was me oh. and it's like no it fucking wasn't <laughs> do you know what's interesting though that- did he apologise sorry to interrupt I know um, he didn't really apologise he kind of said that he felt like he might have sat, come across as a little patronising because he is a primary school teacher and that's how he tends to talk to people so who are children. patronising you there. Yeah. I'll explain to you why I was patronising. Yeah. Wow. I think it's very shaming as well what that man did because mm. he's basically you, you didn't ask for his opinion. No. Mm. He just gave his opinion yeah. and sort of threw it on. To, and the power thing, I think, was really interesting what you said about, oh, I, I, he felt like he needed to say, well, I didn't really know who you were, but then yeah. I came with... It's, but he obviously like... Wanted to sort of just because he felt awkward because he was approaching me as someone who he recognised and I think admired. It sounded mm. like he he did mm. like my music, which was the kind of it's just so strange. But yeah, so he was coming up to me already, I guess, in a position where you feel like bit you're on the, the back foot. Yeah, yeah. So, so he to, just had to kind of just yeah. Do, that. I do think that happens quite a lot. Yeah, I experience that quite a lot. Yeah. Will and I did a video where the theme was crafts. So Will takes a shit dog to Crufts and wins, was the story. Uh, we infiltrated the world of dog trainers yeah. in, in the making of the video, which is so fun because you just enter this whole world of like people you've never... There's a whole industry that you've never accessed, you know what I mean? And Mary Ray was our, our trainer and she had a fr- her best friend helped train Will to, to dance with the dogs. Oh my God. They knew who Will was. He just had an album out, obviously. So then... I can't remember her name, Mary Ray's best friend. Yeah, no, she was brilliant. She, she came with her own sandwiches, didn't she? Mary Ray's friend comes in in the morning, she goes, Will, I listened to your album last night. <laughs> and you were like, oh, good, thanks. And you're like, here we go. She goes, you've had a lot of pain, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, yes. standing there with a cup of coffee in the middle of a field. I was like, mm, is this the time? <laughs> because people, like when that guy approached you, like, I genuinely think people feel that they're talking to the TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a screen between you. They feel that there's a screen between you. Or they feel that you're a representative of yeah. the person. You're not the person. Yeah. Mm. But can I say something that tied together what you were just saying? Oh, what that person is not doing, which is all about connection again, is if he'd come up and been vulnerable, yeah. then you would have loved him. Yes. If he'd said, 
we don't know each other and I feel nervous or that's a bit glib but it's like if he just said more what he was feeling rather than feeling he had to create some sort of stack of defence so that he could win yeah and I just I I hate that the advice thing when it's not asked for from people who don't even do this as their job is so frustrating Mm. like of course I fucking know what I'm doing (laughs) like it's sweet that is yeah do you think the music industry is chauvinist I feel that some artists, they say that they're feminists, but they're not at all. Right, yeah. You know, they're like, I'll do this with my body. But I'm like, well, you're just kind of like playing into... I kind of understand the thinking behind it, but I think when you actually dig a little deeper, it doesn't really make sense because it's just playing right back into having to feel like you need to sexualise yourself Mm. to feel like comfortable in this world. So... I don't get it. Why does sexualization have to be part of the discourse between you and the public? Why is that being... Because it's music. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... Sex sells. It gets mm. me... It really annoys me. It really annoys me because I think if those artists really dig deep, it's like, well, hang on, why are you feeling the need to sexualize, to take off all your clothes mm. and parade that? Sometimes I feel a little bit confused with Beyonce because she says she's a feminist... Um, and stands up for a lot of things but then sometimes I see there's a video where she's in a bikini like dry riding a machine gun and I think what message does that send out she had called her tour like the Mrs Carter tour it's ridiculous yeah. I it's like attaching just- herself to her husband's name and not even like owning her fucking own presence and she's mm. like I find that bizarre and and then the whole but then the album isn't it about him having affairs yeah and then she's there and Becky with the good hair that kind of feminism is not and visual is so boring, I think. And you go back to like Grace Jones, Bowie's feminist, mm. you know, Joni Mitchell. It's yeah. like, but what do are you, you doing? What are these artists doing? Katy Perry. Is like, oh, God. No, no, no. She kills me. Sorry for her. But yeah. can I ask you a question that is not meant to sound antagonistic? But do you feel you have a right to say that? Yes. I, well, I feel I have a right just as a sort of person of the mm. world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, you know, I. I took off my top in a video and I felt like I was doing it in an interesting way. I was learning how to swim. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was like me in armpants. <laughs> so you did use your sexuality. Was there anything wrong with that? I, I just personally felt like I was coming from an interesting place. Mm. I wouldn't do a video where I was like... It was very funny. Writhing. It was quite funny. But you were being... It was like... Will's hot bod, you know what I mean? Like, I remember it at the yeah. time, and it was... And I like to kind of... But there was... I, I like the fact that it was it was Will's hot bod in Bermuda shorts with and a lineup of, like, six-year-old kids, and we're all learning how to swim. And it wasn't sexual. I wasn't... I wasn't sexualised, so it was up to people to sexualise me. It works. Me. I don't think nudity is, is necessarily straight in with, like, sexual Yeah, that's, God, stuff. that's really true. Like, it's just a human body, like... I, I think yeah, right. you see it all the time in, in art and stuff, like, and it doesn't seem like it's a sexual thing. I think it's more about how it's being used and the context and stuff. Mm. Do you like fashion? Um, I mean, I've never like I've never been massively like I'm not don't really know what's going on a lot of the time with fashion. It feels like quite like a complex and terrifying thing. Mm. Um, and I generally clothes wise like to just go for things that I feel like physically comfortable in but then a suit and that's why I like wearing suits because they're very very comfortable Mm. and then I also I just always feel great in a suit 
and they're quite easy collection. now yeah so you just kind of like it's literally two items yeah really. and then you're and smart then there's and no like smart. is this smart enough because it's a suit <laughs> yeah. whereas like like girl clothes <laughs> like dresses and stuff it's like is that the right kind of dress for this event yeah like, how long is it like you know what is it like too bright is it too this and then it's just like oh my god my there's a lot yeah. going on there is, do you think like with women there's I wonder myself there's a pressure to kind of show off the body mm. to as much as it could be showed off to like tuck in there and yeah. accentuate that yeah, I, I hear mean, that a lot it's just too much energy spent thinking about stuff like that that's the thing you see I, I think I actually am invested in looking like I've just rolled out of bed most days like I don't I, n- I never wear makeup ever really um, it's just people spend so much time mm. like hours in the mornings like before just just to leave the house like yes. like full on and yeah clothes wise it's just if it's like clean i shove it on and walk out i don't even really look in the mirror much this is why i've realized i've just got like a gravy stain on my leg actually <laughs> i just noticed it in your full length mirror upstairs that, what were you um, were you having something with gravy uh actually i think it might have been the kebab i had last time when i got home i think it's interesting just what you were saying about makeup like I'm a boy, obviously. Um, <laughs> what? So yeah, at time of at time of print, um, and <laughs> uh, I. So I don't wear makeup and stuff, yeah. but I not so, and I don't wear makeup and stuff. But is makeup to do with women policing each other? Do you think, or is it about like who's it for? Mm. Yeah, it's funny because it's like so often when I'm having this conversation with people that wear a lot of makeup. Um, it's like it's always it's always for them like it's always Mm. you know they always say that and like maybe it is maybe you like the fact that you spend like two hours every day like plastering your face and like stuff that's really bad for your skin Mm. but fundamentally the reason you're doing that is because you think it makes you look better but why do you feel that you need to look better than like how you are that's Mm. and, and who's telling you what's good to look like yes so as much as someone says it makes them feel great about themselves that shouldn't need that shouldn't need to happen in order to feel great about yourself. So I think it yes. is. It's, it's just society, like you know. And girls start wearing makeup like super young. Like I remember when everyone starts wearing makeup. And yeah, I wonder if makeup comes from that traditional kind of like I don't know why I'm thinking fifties, but like the housewife that goes to bed with makeup on. Makeup was for men. Yeah. Originally, well, when people you hear as well, like people who like go out, they're all glammed up for the night, and they go out and they sleep with someone, and they then have to sneak out of the room in the morning before whoever the other person is wakes up so they can redo their makeup so that when they wake up, it's not like a different person sleeping next to them. I mean, yeah. Like what? in bridesmaids. Like in bridesmaids, yeah. Oh, but that does, that My sister did it. My sister's yeah. friend used to do it. And there was always this joke about like, oh, you know, you wish you've never seen the real me kind of thing. And it's like, well, you know, like yeah. it's about there's the thing about being vulnerable isn't there like yeah. not allowing yourself to be vulnerable in front of that person who listen on a one night stand I sort of get it it's like you know because I want the, you're trying to control their feelings towards you but yes. in a, a long term relationship or whatever that's madness and actually it reminds me a little bit what you're saying about your lyrics of like being honest is about allowing yourself to be vulnerable yes and that's when people connect with you yeah exactly you've they got to like open it up. I mean Tim um, he's one of my managers when I was writing this record and I was kind of there's a few bits in there there's like a, a song called Eastbound Train and there's a bit where it's kind of like high-pitched voices going like stick it to the man and it, like I was finding mm. it funny when I did it it's kind of like a little joke mm. and then I sent it over and I was like I don't know if I should keep this in because 
maybe it's just a bit dumb and like silly and Tim was just like the thing is you have to open yourself up to be ridiculed you can't control like a creative wall like mm. fully because then then there's no point to it because mm. the whole point of like any sort of art is to connect mm. so yeah you have to be vulnerable yeah. do you read reviews yes <gasps> how do you how can you do that because uh, they're all great no I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I'm, I'm very fascinated by how people kind of infer my work and, and how they take it and kind of mm. I because I spend so long kind of so shut off you know like for me the process like day in day out when it's finally out in the world I'm just like can't wait to hear what people think about it like even if it's like negative I sometimes find that also just quite funny because people get like really over the top angry about some like certain things which I find really hilarious you saying that you like reading reviews yeah I think is because you have a good sense of self. Well, know? that's what I've, that's kind of think, I think why I like knowing what people think because I'm never going to turn around and be like, if it's something, that, I don't know what this is, but you know, if, if the t- someone turns around and says that they don't like my song, I'm not going to then look at the song and be like, oh yeah, shit. Mm. Like, I know in order for me to put something out into the world, I like it. Mm. That's amazing. So then it's kind of knowing that, I feel like I might be coming across as a very arrogant asshole. You are. <laughs> You are. It's 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 honestly it is it's podcast gold. Keep on going. We have. I'm about to monologue for ten minutes. So oh. Just go. We'll be two arrogant assholes. Yes. Don't worry. Then, I, then I'll be coming up from the rear, number three. There's a difference between arrogance and confidence. Yeah. Which is gratitude, and 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 I think, and that's that someone told me that years ago as a psychiatrist he later, later got struck off but um, <laughs> before that happened um, and I've never forgotten that yeah. so you don't strike me as someone who's arrogant you see I could not cope with that mm. and I can't read reviews for my acting either really? but I can totally have feedback from s- people that I feel safe with so like a director or a producer oh good because I wanted to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on um, but I I see, I just can't. And why? Ah, because, yes, because if I read a review and someone points out something, let's say they go, oh, I love it when Will Young as the MC skips on stage. I can't fully trust myself to not then accentuate that moment because I'll be like, oh, someone loved it when I skipped. But what's you know wrong what I mean? with that? So, because it's not truthful, because I'm relying on someone who's not there for the whole journey of the show, mm. doesn't have a vision for the show, which is part of not just me, but a whole company. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I get too con... I, I would know... I, I just can't fully trust myself. I mean, I guess that makes a lot of sense. I, th- I think it would be like... Obviously, because that's something that's still going. Yes, every night, yes, you know? yes, 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 yes. Rather than as something that you've already kind of just done. That's... Yes. So I think, I would, I think I'd probably be the same. Like, I mean, I don't... I'm not that fussed about sort of like live reviews and stuff like that. I'm just playing music. Yeah. I'm not yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. having to really like perform as such. Yeah. And I think that would probably I just have the same kind of feeling. I do think it's uh it is a performance playing music. You know? Yeah. And there is a there is the the the, the singer isn't just singing you're making so many decisions quickly yes yeah, you yeah. might be like oh i can't get that note because i smoked too many fags last night so okay i've got to go from there yes you know what i mean it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. duck that's looking it's paddling mm. frantically underwater yeah i do think it's a performance just a different type yeah and when you do that i mean just for the listeners 
when Marika does the, her tap routine, my oh. God, it we, is. I mean, I've never seen anyone I've, in the I've not seen a backflip and tap before. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids love it. Uh, and DM tap, you know, my tap God. Tap flip, they call it. A tap um, flip. But what... Do, I feel we have to almost finish. Yeah, I just want to ask you one time. question mm. that I've spoken about a bit, which is that by being a gay man, you have a lot of things put on you in, in your identity and... Yeah. People assume things on your behalf. Yep. Like, I like the Golden Girls or whatever, which actually I like. But I actually don't feel neither male nor female. I never have. I've just felt other to everyone else, but been also fine within my body. Like, I don't feel like I'm in the, trapped in the wrong body at time of going to print. And um, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you... Do you feel like you are a woman or you are a gay woman? I've never really kind of like what you just said I've always just felt like I am who I am mm. and I've never really felt the need to really define that mm. people change all the time and like mm. you feel differently about yourself in different stages of your life and so like I mean I feel like a, a woman mm. but I also when I was a kid I've, I kind of just like felt like I wanted to be a boy mm. um, I don't yeah like you I didn't feel like what is this that I'm in I yes. just I just felt like I kind of identified with like boys a lot more and I wanted to like dress like boys and hang out with boys and but now I, I, I feel quite like womanly and in terms of my sexuality like yes I suppose I'm gay but actually I don't know how I might f you know because people are people and I find people mm. really attractive and I could fall in love with a man mm. like in the next 10 years it, it might like shock myself a bit and wouldn't have necessarily seen it coming but to kind of I find it strange that we so feel the need to stick everything in a box to make it feel safe. Mm. Like, I think every, like, I just think the whole idea of it, like sexuality and gender should all just be completely gone. But it's, it's just mm. hard to get to that point because you have to then, you have to identify and you have to kind of come together as a group and mm. talk about stuff to get to that point. But I think people should just be taken for being people and being like nice people and nasty people. Do you think we'll ever get there? No, mm. I don't think so. Well, good to end on a bit of hope. <laughs> Look at me, Marika. Where are my manners? I got these for us to eat. Will you take these home? Oh, biscuits and cakes and all sorts. for you. Sorry, I totally forgot. But I can't just take them all. No, no, no. Please. We should yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. Heavens to Betsy. That was our chat with Marika Hackman. How are you feeling, Will, hearing that back? I just think she's cool in the true sense of the word, which is cucumber. <laughs> Stop making me laugh because my poor throat. I think we should have a look back at Twitter and see what you guys have been getting in touch with us about when we asked, what would you do if you were invisible for the day? Yes, let's have a look. Veronica says, the airport. Wahoo, watch out, Hawaii. What's your go-to destination for some winter sun there? I think Caribbean, maybe Sri Lanka. Yeah, I went to Sri Lanka. That was lovely. We had a peacock in our garden, just mooched around. Ah, ah. That is an event-level impression of a peacock. That was really good. Where did you learn that? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what was amazing particularly about it is it sounded quite distant. So it was like you threw your voice. Girls, come here. Uh -huh. Hello? Somebody upstairs? No, it's me. No. It's Bill. And deal. Delovo says Rihanna's house. No, that would be what a fun house to hang out. I would be going on there. My friend went on the Rihanna 
777 tour where she rented a plane and filled it with journalists and went on tour with them. The journalists went on tour with <clears throat> Fans and press all got on this plane and they went sort of around the world. Seven day leg of her worldwide tour. And it was pandemonium apparently. Like everyone partying 24-7. Everyone was absolutely broken. And the person who was up later than everybody else for the entire thing was Rihanna. Wow. And she's the one who had to go out and perform every night. They could at least go and have a snooze. Apparently she is the most extraordinary, amazing individual. I love her. What would you do if you were invisible for the day? Well, I know what I would do. What would you do? I'd go look around houses. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. And actually go straight to Regent's Park and those beautiful like colonnaded houses around the edge. And I'd get straight in there and I would have a look around all of those. I don't want to see the people. I don't want to know their business. What I want to see is what it's like inside there, because I dream of living there. Quick question. Mm-hmm. Being invisible doesn't mean you can walk through walls, though, does it? No, but someone would open a door and I would sneak in as they opened it. So there would be, so actually, phys- logistically, there'd actually be quite a lot of stuff. So, for example, the people that say they want to fly to Hawaii, they'd, they'd, have, have, to, to they'd have to have a free seat, or they'd have to be just standing. You don't want to stand all the way to Hawaii. And if you're invisible... People would bump into you, so they'd feel you there. So it's not its not invisible like a ghost. I, I, I don't feel, want to shit on this. I'm just, I feel no, like you no, might be missing no. missing the point of the fun part of the question. I'm, not, listen, I, I'm not, not known you to be a naysayer till, <laughs> till now, but let's not dwell on the physics. Call me Mr. Practical. And since having a day with children, you just can't be Mr. Invisible and get Winnie brushing her teeth. No, no, no exactly. Because you are a P-A-R-E-N-T now. I'm a, what's that? Parent. A parent, yes. Yeah. A spirit florist says, to Kate Bush's studio to watch her make music. Now we're talking, that's good. She says, but it's Kate, so I expect she'd know I was there anyway. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> and very true. Do you remember the first time you heard Kate Bush? Is it me? Is it me? You- no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was running up that hill because yeah, it too. was on a kids programme. Was it? On BBC. What, 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 what? Queen's Nose? N- no. I think that was ITV. <gasps> that was brilliant. Mm. That was a book. Wasn't I talk it? about the Queen's Nose all the time Isn't in meetings. That a book? Mm-hmm. Two things I talk about in meetings a lot, which always falls dead. I talk about the Queen's Nose and I talk about beaches. People don't know beaches. No, people are like, why is he talking about beaches? I don't like beaches. No, no, no. Why? Sorry. Oh, gosh, I saw that in your eyes then. I'm really angry. What? I, I don't what, know. What don't you like about it? I think you really are angry. <laughs> I think I've watched it once. Well, f- f- there's the problem for a start, okay? That is a 15-time watch. Did you ever know that you... I don't like that song. I... W- okay. Oh, you're so close to the end of season one and we were supposed to make it through, but I don't know if I can do this anymore, okay? No, don't, please. I'm not that gonna, song... look at you. I need to be invisible. That song is life-changing for a start, okay? I want this to be a discussion. <laughs> Why don't you like the song? <laughs> voice is tremoring i just like would like to say you're sorry i accept no i'm not i think it's i like the fact that you reference it because it obviously means a lot to you it's just not massively my cup of tea Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know okay my beaches can be your george michael yeah okay where's bill bill i don't know should we go and have a look you just carry on chatting i'm gonna find bill who's doing the fires because he's he's gone for 20 minutes and unless he's gone up the chimney i don't know what's going (laughs) on Will, Will, Bill, yeah. are you here? Yes, I'm still here. Are you, you're all right, though? Yes, no, I'm fine. I'm just waiting for 
We interrupt this program for a so fireplace consul- consultation. Bill was waiting. I thought he was just going to come and say hi. If I was to take a punt, I'd say that is very sadly the end of the episode. I'm going to finish with a song. I'm going to finish it. with a song. Did I ever tell you you're my homo? Everything I would like <laughs> to be. It's so lovely that you sang this version at your wedding. I know, right? <laughs> As your vows. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Powered by Spirit Studios.